actually serious. Amazing conversations from Israel, all topics considered, with Aaron Porras and Hannah Rifkin. Okay, stop showing off. I'm telling you that you're being ridiculous. I, I also have to be at work at 6:45. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not. It's not weird. I'm not trying to no, show. I'm weird. not trying to flex. It's I'm just what to you have show to show you that you're crazy. Right when you wake up, that's the problem. Uh-huh. Like, be a human. No, subhuman. Be subhuman. <laughs> and all this because I I had to make it earlier. Today. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Can we just get? Fault. Can it's we just okay. get to blaming Yvonne? It's fine. We blame we us for everything. That? Can we just get to yelling at Yvonne now? We always blame for everything. It's fine. Sweet. I'm used to it by now. So welcome to Actually Serious, where we blame Yvonne for everything that we do and everything that goes wrong. I think that's a better intro. Actually. That's a much better <laughs> intro. <laughs> I love how this turned into a roasting of me <laughs> rather than an actual episode. It's, what did you think? <laughs> what you literally did nothing. Oh. <laughs> just sat this here. You did, you, us a, you did us a nice thing yeah, by coming you and being known. here and we just roasted you. You should have known <laughs> that this is what was going to happen. All right, and should so we begin? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Actually Series podcast where we cover Israel's most interesting with all topics and the incredible humans behind them considered... We're brought to you in partnership with Audioversity and No Camels, the leading site for Israel innovation news. And of course, before we get into it, remember to subscribe to the podcast on Audioversity, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, social media, and YouTube at Aaron Porras. Like, comment, and hit the notification bell as well while you're at it so you can be sure to hear about our new content whenever we have that. Absolutely. I'm Aaron Porras. I'm Hannah Rifkin. And today we are here with Ivan Saba, manager of international radio audioversity at Reichman University, where we are, and host of Arabic music show Arabit on Khan 88. Uh, and we're here to talk about something that we all know and love, which is Spotify and streaming services, our great uh, uh, podcast overlords. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. specifically how the implementation of these two things have affected the Middle Eastern Arabic music genre mm-hmm. and more, uh, which... Yeah, I mean, that's something that I personally don't have a lot of experience with, which is why I'm very excited to hear more about this. I mean, not a lot of people do, and it's been going on for a very long time. I've been, I'd like to think that I was at kind of like when it all started, when I started seeing change. Um, just a little bit of background. So where we are right now used to be IDC Radio. And when I was a student, <laughs> I had a show here uh, called The Bridge. And it was an Arabic music show. And it was really like in the beginning of all of the things that we consider to be like alternative music, stuff that's not in the, the normal pop Mainstream. Arabic music scene, things that were more underground, you know, you'd okay. like to think of sort of the rebels. If where, you know. where did the name The Bridge come from? The idea was that I wanted to kind of bridge the gap between the misunderstandings of what Arab culture and Arab music is uh, through music. And in a way also to connect to it myself because at the time I was going through this like identity crisis because I wasn't entirely sure that I liked Arabic music either at the time. It was a bit of, really? of a weird transition for me because I came, I grew up in the U.S. and then I came here when I was nine years old and there's always been that conflict between my Western side, if you will, and my Arab side. And at home, my parents always listened to Arabic music. They would listen to, like, the most traditional stuff you can think of. Mm-hmm. Um Kaltum and, like, really, really heavy orchestra, like, 15-minute songs. The classics right there. Yeah. Heavy love songs, you know, like, super, super, uh, super Arab. 
and I never connected to it. And I always like, I guess the rebellious side of me was like, well, I'm going to listen to Foo Fighters. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> like that. That was my vibe growing up. It still is to this day, but it's a weird mix now because I have a very deep appreciation for the classics, for mm. Um Kaltum, for all the artists that came before. Um, but more so now where the music scene is going and representing a new generation that's emerging in the Middle East. And it goes all the way back to the Arab Spring and even before then. Um, there's been like little events here and there in the Arab world where you see that happening more and more. So it's not just something that came up all of a sudden. It's well, been gradually so you, happening. You, sorry to cut you off, but you, so this, in, so your identity crisis inspired you to kind of learn Talk more about like to learn more about Aaron, I'm gonna have to cut this no. out. I spent a lot of time editing that it's last fine. week. It's well do it. So <laughs> go ahead again. <laughs> um that kind of inspired you to to learn about it and so you became passionate about it. Oh that, definitely. That, way. that was the main the main goal for me was also to and growing up in high school, I think uh, we're talking around the two thousands, I was making mixtapes for people. Like wow. that was my thing. And I didn't know, I was kind of like inadvertently kind of like, okay, I'll make you a mixtape, you give me a book, we'll switch and we'll do that kind of exchange. And so I always had this knack for creating a mix of music for people. I just didn't know that I was going into that avenue of like, actually, I didn't go into communications thinking, oh, I'm going to be a radio host. This is this is where I'm going. I was a completely shy person, scared of her shadow almost. And I never really put myself in those positions up until I started doing the radio. And then I was like, well, maybe I can do this thing. Maybe I can actually share stuff. I have a very interesting insight and I want to learn more about it myself. It was very intriguing for me. So I just kept going with it and I found it more and more interesting as yeah. I went along. Well, and now you're the radio guru around here. It's awesome. It's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be the manager of this place after having volunteered here, worked here for a while. Right. And now teaching students who are coming here now to learn and create content as well in their own ways and finding what they're passionate about. Because for me, that was what it was. The, that was what drove me to begin with. So I wanted to give that and kind of pass it along for anybody who comes through these doors, whether they want to do it in English or in Hebrew. Um, I manage the international side, so I'm exposed to a lot more different students from all over the world and, and the things that they're interested in. And so I'm learning along the way. And hopefully I can impart some of the stuff that I learned onto them as well. What what I what stuck out in my mind going back to Arabic music it, that you said earlier about how it's not as popular maybe as people think. Mm -hmm. And that's actually really surprising to me just if you because if you just look at how many Arabic speakers there are in the world, yeah. you would assume especially with Islam being, you know, as ma as big of a religion as it is ac across the world like I would have expected it to be a much bigger influence, like Arabic music. You would think that, but there's, uh, t at the same time, there is a lot of negative stigma. There's a lot of um, negativity. We, let's just say we Arabs have a branding problem. Sure. Okay? <laughs> let's just put it that way, I guess. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I've even experienced it myself where, you know, if I'm speaking in Arabic in a public place, I will get certain looks mm. or I will get... so. 
generally the the main problem i think that we face often is that arabic is not essentially a attractive language and people kind of take it yeah. in a different context now i completely disagree because if people understood arabic they would not be as threatened it's a gorgeous beautiful uh immensely um like poetic poetic and yeah. and even graphic i would say language because it's super descriptive And you can say so much with just a word mm -hmm. where the English language tends to fail you in that sense. Yeah. Mm. And so with Arabic music being what it is, I think a lot of artists saw the potential of it, not just being a classical thing, not just being, you know, 99, I like to call it, I like to say 99%, but let's just call it 90% music about love and the lack of love. And then maybe the other 10%. I feel like that's typical of like everyone. Yeah, that's but it's such think a universal with, with message in music. I think with Arabic music, it goes even further to the point where it's only that and, and nothing beyond that. Like uh, maybe 10%, the other 10% could be patriotic and other stuff. Like they mm -hmm. fell into a rut kind of. Yeah, in but in a I sense? feel like a lot of times the, the concentration is on what's beautiful and not what's real cast being connecting to those sort yeah. of lyrics or that teenage angst that, like, that, that comes out and yeah exactly and so that's what it lacked for me in terms of arabic music and i think the older generations loved it because their parents loved it and because yes it's a beautiful beautiful thing but i don't think it gave enough for people to be like wow when um Kaltum says in Umri, you're my life okay i see that But I'm nowhere as a 16-year-old Arab kid. I'm not going to be yeah, able to relate to that, to that <laughs> in any sense or form. I can appreciate the beauty of it just like I would if I read a Shakespearean novel or anything like that. But it wouldn't connect to me on the level that I would be like, wow, this is my jam and this is all I'm going to be listening to. Is this like a widespread among our generation? I would like to think so, yeah, because, you know, over the years, so when we're going back to around, let's say, 2012, 2011, when the Arab Spring started in the Middle East, mainly in Egypt and Tunisia, we saw that a lot of youth that were coming through these, you know, revolutions and through these uh, protests, be it in Tahrir Square or wherever it was, they were playing music in their protests and a lot mm -hmm. of bands emerged from those protests especially in egypt mm -hmm. so one of the biggest bands currently in uh, the arab world is a band called kairoki and they came up through the the protest in egypt and tahrir square they came up with another guy called rami isam who is currently a political refugee and oh, wow. can no longer go to egypt because of his music till this day and still writes about the revolution from europe Um, wow. And so there are a lot of these artists who sacrificed a lot. Like they they came up during the Arab Spring. They kept on doing their thing. Some of them still lived in Egypt. Some of them live in other countries in the Arab world or around. Um, but they still pay a heavy price. You know, they're not uh, headlining Glastonbury like other artists are right now. They're trying to, to put together their next album and figuring out a way to sell it without being censored by their government. Yeah. That's the reality That's a huge of it. Difference there. <laughs> is yeah. there like is there an evolution? I mean cuz cuz we're really talking about the political roots and how they've influenced the change in the sound and in the message that's being that's being delivered in this music. Is that, like do you see parallels with other 
culture with other with other music from other cultures like especially in the west i guess like do you see like yeah. is this like the punk music of the of the arab world or so like, there's definitely an element of that there's definitely the idea where you're taking music so i can give you even a, a more local example mm. so there's a very well-known group that's been um very very present for over 20 years or so called them these three guys now there's two girls, <laughs> two two guys and a girl. But basically, they came up as the first Arabic rock, uh, Arabic sorry, rap troupe in oh. in the Middle East. Wow! All right. All right. Um, cool. They kind of started the whole genre in a way. I'd like to think, yeah. and they came up around the late '90s, and so they saw influence from Tupac, and they saw influence from you know, and WA and, and all of the rap artists that in their messages or in their style, they, or both? It, well, both in a sense, because you, they saw themselves growing up in lid, for example, where, you know, they have poverty, there's crime, there's, there's mm -hmm. a lot more stuff going on there than what we're privy to. And mm -hmm. so they saw their experience reflected in the music of Tupac and, and all of wow. these artists that they uh, admired. And so they learned English and they learned to rap through those music through those, you know, artists that they admired. And so when they started writing their own stuff, it started off first in Hebrew and then slowly but surely they understood that they have an advantage in Arabic. And so they released a lot of their music. Now, that does even to even when you're talking about artists here locally, that comes with a price because one on one hand, the Arab community don't understand why you're doing this. This isn't music. You're just making noise in a sense. Sure. Um, which is which is a common reaction to it's new a common exactly. Yeah, in general. But at the same time, their message was so important for people who felt like they were unseen that they all of a sudden saw themselves in their music. They saw their frustration. They saw a lot of. Um, they saw themselves even if it was you know, sort of a Western, it was like, it was a concept that was foreign to them. It was in Arabic and it reflected their frustrations and what they hope to change, hope, you know, in is their it, own communities. Is it cross-generational? Like, did it creep up to the older generations or is it really just like their generation may be the one before it, but then... So longer? I would like to think it does only because I've seen the influence it has on my parents. Really? So I can say that firsthand wow. because when I was starting out um, and my dad was like, you shouldn't, this isn't music. What are you doing? This is, sure. this is boring. Turn off that rock music. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, <laughs> why are you listening to this stuff? They're talking nonsense. This isn't music. Like, it's an Arabic, but this isn't music, whatever. Um, and my mom was kind of on the same camp, but she was more intrigued. Mm. And so the more and more she listened to this music, she's like, oh, my God, these guys are actually smart. Look at look at this lyrics. Look at what they're saying. And oftentimes it can be taken political or whatever. But at the end of the day, it was y three young Palestinian men sharing their experiences and their hopes and their frustrations with what was going on in no way kind of making it political but more of as an outlet to really talk about it rather than going and joining a gang on the streets. Yeah. Like there, there, there's that distinction as well. And so f at first maybe it was kind of, you know, not that great, but then the more and more you listen to their music and then my mom started wanting to come to their concerts. My no dad would even go oh, to wow. one or two concerts. He would listen to their songs in the car. That's a shift. He really? like one of the artists also came out with a movie not long ago, a few years back called Junction 48. And my dad went to go see the film, you know, and met him. And so a lot of like I could see a shift within my own family 
and see a shift that the more I listened to this music, the more I brought it home and the more I forced it in a way down their throats. <laughs> um, they got on with it. And I think, you know, if we look at, and I think a lot of people will, will say the same thing, especially where I'm from in Jaffa, where they are a well-known group. They are admired for their music because, first of all, it's really good. And we recommend anybody listening <laughs> to go ahead. And, and, and they're very transparent. So, so a lot of their lyrics is also translated to English cool. and so if anybody wants to find out what they're saying you know you can go and find that out as well but moreover the fact that it's just an amazing form of expression that not a lot of people um, have these sort of if you will cultural heroes mm -hmm. and so for a lot of young people to see three men talking about women's rights in the Arab community um, fighting against racism hoping for a better uh, future mm -hmm. through education and knowing your history. I think that was super important for young Arabs in our communities. And it just, it changed my perspective of a lot of things and, and made me feel like I had a voice. Is there, is there mm -hmm. pressure on these? Cause these sound like pretty liberal messages as mm -hmm. well. Yeah. I mean, for what is seen as a, as a conservative culture. Mm -hmm. So like, do they, are they, do they endure a lot of heavy pressure then from within the Arab community of course, as there's, well? There's a lot of problems in that sense as well because you have to remember, as you mentioned, we're a traditional community, a traditional mm. culture. Um, a lot of these ideas tend to be frowned upon and really? seen as something that's not appropriate. There's a, the maintenance of a status quo at the end of the day. Yeah. And so anybody who kind of tries to break that status quo uh tends to be very very much forced out in a way or even their lives are made a lot more difficult as a, as a fact um and so they've had shows canceled you know yeah. they've been banned from certain places um people have tried you know this is just artists within the com like not specifically talking about them but artists that are in Israel that are you know singing in Arabic yeah, like and then they're faced with um religious people who think that their music is blasphemy and shouldn't be allowed to be performed in public places oh, wow. um there are a lot of people we have a lot of work to do within our own communities where we're trying to to help people understand that this is a form of art this is a form of expression and it's okay to have ideas that are not you know aligning right. with yours um and at the same time they still they still you know have that um that friction because it, again like i feel like if you're pissing somebody off you're doing something right at the end of the day and Absolutely. and that's you know that's what the, they have to deal with that friction as well and at the same time they have other complications that they're facing uh, be it political whatever it is but at the end of the day they're just trying to get their music out and their voice out so so does how d how does this how has i guess in a the globalization of music um, had an effect on the community, even in Israel or in well, immensely. Um, so if we go to 2018, when Spotify uh, came into 13 new markets, uh, you know, globally, um, we can see a huge change. So you need to understand how people consume music beforehand. So it was all underground. People were downloading stuff, uh, especially in the Arab world. They didn't have any kind of, you know, subscription service to a music, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. They would buy pirated music. 
um, they would have CDs, you would download stuff. And so there was no um, actual body in place to to get those royalties for these artists. So a lot of the times they were just making music and they wouldn't see any profit from it. Mm-hmm. Even if their songs were being played on the radio, there was no actual body that could you know, claim the royalties for these artists. When Spotify came into the market, they had to create those bodies those record labels, all these places wow. had to create and facilitate those companies so that if artists got thousand streams or I don't know how many, that they would see an income from it. And so it created uh, jobs for a lot of artists and it, it really created more of a community because the people and the music editors at Spotify right. at the time decided, let's turn this into something. Let's, let's make this brand a thing. So a lot of specialized um, playlists were curated, mm-hmm. updated wow. weekly. Uh, a lot of artists were getting sort of, you know, spotlight. Yeah. And even there was a campaign of, of highlighting, um, you know, different Arab artists, women, female Arab artists from all over the Arab world uh, to sort of show people, hey, look at this variety. These are the women that are representing us in the Arab world. And that was also a highlighted playlist. So all of a sudden, around 2018, even to this day, you're seeing billboards being put up in Times Square of these indie artists from Egypt or wherever in the Arab That's world. That's and really crazy, it yeah. went from just zero to 100. And of course, with the help of TikTok, obviously, <laughs> right. uh, even more so, you see people rising. And it's really just breaking the traditional way where you'd get discovered, you get signed by a label, and then you so go yeah, on. Like, like how, big are the, how big are some of these artists? Like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if you remind yeah, me the, the name of the three guys, so two, girl, damn. two guys and one girl. Yeah. Da- now. Yeah. Uh, damn. Yes. So like, how big are these guys outside of Israel? Like, they're, huge. I, yeah, they're huge. Yeah. They're huge. Wow. They're huge. I mean... They, I can tell you that they've performed in Japan. Wow. They've performed all over the world, you know, be it in Arab countries, be it, you know, in Europe, the United States. Their music is super influential to so many generations uh, that have come up on their music, that have learned. Rappers coming up today have been influenced by them. So you have wow. a new generation of Arab rappers that are coming up and showing that they're influenced by people like Tamar Nafar, Maysadao, Mahmoud Jeri. These are the guys uh, known as Dam uh, today. Bruno Cruz, of course, was their producer. And so a lot of them have kind of become these heavyweights in the, in the Arab music industry because they were the ones that paved the way for a lot of this younger generation to come up. Are they are they leading a bigger cultural revolution within the Arab speaking world than say the Arab Spring did? I think you can Or is it like maybe you just can an make extension the argument. Of that? You can make the argument. It's definitely an extension of that. Mm-hmm. But I think the Arab Spring uh, many people will agree it failed. It's still sure. mm-hmm. it's like as a political movement. Yeah, I mean, it's you could failed, say that and it, and it and, and in a way, the music is kind of that ongoing soundtrack to that revolution. Mm. These artists are trying so to do it. Like it. echoes of a ghost, or is it like in a way, rekindling the there, fire? There is still mm. rekindling. It really depends because at the end of the day, you got to remember these artists are trying to make a living. Sure. So they can't <laughs> all just be their their songs can't always just be you know. Uh, like let's ra- let's, let's yeah. rage against the machine <laughs> right. and and like you know fight the fight the forces that be. They need to also make a living. They also want to have fun. They want to yeah. you know do other things. And so their music is not just revolutionary music. Sure. There are artists that have stuck to that. And as we know with music and with m- musicians yeah. in general, mm-hmm. you know they're gonna choose how to evolve their music. They're gonna choose how to 
you know, evolve as artists and what they want to write about. At the end of the day, you'll see Dam, even Tamer, and he will release a very heartfelt song, and then the next second he'll release a pop song that you might hear at a wedding. Um, but then it could be a mixture of both, right? So in their last album, they wrote a song called Emtan Jozak Yamma. And in Arabic, it just means like, hey, when are you going to get married kind of thing. And it <laughs> turned into this like sort of poking fun at people, like stop forcing people to get married kind of like, uh, like anthem. Like laughing at their parents. Uh, kind of laughing like, you know, at when, it. When are you going to have um, kids? <laughs> <laughs> kind of in that sense. <laughs> but the funny thing is that people start playing it at their weddings. Right. And so it's like, you know that you I know wonder if he <laughs> saw that coming. I bet he did. Of course he did. Course and I think did. it's 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 very smart in the sense of right. like we're poking fun at our community and they're going along with it and they're playing it at their yeah, own way. That's, <laughs> a, great, that's a great sense of humor. So I think there is that underlining rebellion within all of their songs, with all of their whatever they're doing, but they're doing it in a way that's not you know, uh, preaching, or that's not like, hey, you need to do this. Let's, you know, indoctrine which you into this cult. There's way no more cult. That's the key. It's here. way more effective. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't want to make it obvious right. also, and you want to make it something that appeals to people. So. And you want people to connect to it. At the end of the day, yeah. you know, when my mom listens to Emtan Jozak Yemma, she always laughs at it. Because she's no, she, she knows that she said that to me, or people have said that to me. When are you going to get married kind of thing? <laughs> And it's just, it's a funny, it's a funny situation yeah. to be in where my mom hears it and hears something else. I hear it and I'm like, wow, thank you for echoing my emotions and feelings. People get off my back kind of situation. <laughs> and you just play it for your mom. Like, this says everything I've been trying to And you know what? Say. She's been playing it too. And I feel like it also has a connection to uh, people who don't understand the message and find it super interesting. Just find it as a good song because people who don't understand the language sure. all of a sudden hear a song that's fun, that's, you know, energetic, that's in a way kind of in a, in a funny tone. Um, and they connect to it in a different way. And so I'll have Israelis come up to me and they'll be like, do you know this band? Do you hear this song? Like, isn't it cool? What is it right. about? And, and so they're intrigued sure. to find out more. And then that sort of branding problem that we had before kind of goes away because these artists become the face of this new generation. It's very humanizing, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that that I mean that brings us into a we and Hannah and I talked about this a little yeah. bit on the drive up as well, which is you know and this is like the hippie part of my conversation, <laughs> which is about music where it's like yeah. it's you know it's this connecting force and love man and brings everybody together. Yeah. But that's there's a lot of truth to that obviously. Of course, yeah. And so I I look at say Israel for example as like this interest as a very interesting um, stage like an experimental stage for for this which is you have something like 70 80 percent of israeli of jewish israelis have origins in arab countries and a lot of them my family included still listen to music in arabic and so it's really interesting i wonder like are these palestinian arab israeli uh, arab gulf bands being popularized in israel among jewish communities as well and are are there jewish artists who sing in, sing arabic. in arabic that are yeah. being popularized in their communities so like to answer it i'd like to think that i have a hand in making these artists sort of popular here in a way <laughs> through my show um i have been hosting a show for the last three years called arabit 
um, on Khan 88. And that's no small feat because it's a public radio station. Mm-hmm. It's one of the bigger public radio stations. It's in Hebrew. And I have a show about Arabic music. And so I'd like to think that people are getting to know these artists through my show, learning their stories, you know, connecting to them in that sense, and maybe going off and finding out more for themselves. I've met people who've listened to my show. I get messages constantly. Um, I've even done a few lectures here and there, and people will come up to me, and they will say that, wow, like, this is the music it's that... It's enlightening. It's very enlightening, and it's very... I'm, I'm glad that at least, you know, it's becoming more popular. Now, the other side of the coin, which is uh, Arab, um, you know, Jewish, Israelis in a way who grew up on that music and want to do it for themselves, they are doing it. There's a huge right. movement of, mm-hmm. you know, Moroccan Jews, mm-hmm. Tunisian Jews, whatever it may be, that are singing in Arabic. Dudu Tasa being one of the most yeah. popular ones to, to come to mind. Like Iraqi, yeah. Yeah, he released a whole album in Arabic. Mm-hmm. And so, you know... It's a great album. It's a great <laughs> album. <laughs> Just to throw it out there. <laughs> but there's there's a lot of things, you know, that for me, I find... Personally, I find the issue with not the fact that they're doing stuff in Arabic, but that they are getting more, mm. let's say, they're getting the limelight, whereas people like Tamar Nafar, who is actually Arab, singing in his mother tongue, will be labeled as too political, too yeah. too uh, inciting of violence or whatever it may be. Whereas Dudu Tasa has no problem. He can pass. go up, he can sing in Arabic, and it's all accepted. Mm. Now... That's an issue that has to be dealt with within the... That's a, that's like a local Israel that's issue. That's a local yeah. Israel issue right. thing. That's not... So in the same sense that Dudu Tasa is big abroad, so is them. And I'm sure that if things were different, them and Dudu Tasa would probably end up doing something together. In another life, great. that would be something yeah, I mean, that might happen. You get like yeah. the Dan Eichels of the world who bring everybody on stage. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. In another life, maybe without all the political nonsense and all that junk going on, that maybe that would be something that would happen. Um, but that's the main sort of thing that I think is limiting a lot of Arab artists from becoming more prevalent here is that mm. maybe they don't want to. There, there's something here where it's limiting yeah. in the sense where there's a lot of artists who have gone to Dubai and moved to Dubai and, or Jordan or wherever it is and made their you know, careers there because they realize that the Arab market is where they need to be in order to get to other stages or other places in their it's lives. definitely harder. But like yeah. now, since I mean, we have these streaming services and Spotify and all that, can't they expose themselves to the rest of the world from here? Like, how does that... So most of them are doing that. Most of them are kind of, you know, really sticking to that. But with that comes another branding issue where they need to be, you know... Uh There are pressures that are coming from outside. So you can't be... There's like a box that they have to... There's a a a certain narrative that you need to follow at the end of the day because there are political issues at play here. There are... Um, people who want the Palestinian narrative to be more of the driven force. Um, Or if you're an Israeli artist, you're not going to necessarily make it into the Arab world because they don't want to acknowledge that part. And so they'll concentrate more on the Palestinian version of themselves rather than be that the narrative than, than anything else. And that's totally fine if anybody wants to you know, identify as that, and that's totally okay. That's their narrative, and that's how they want. But in order to become popular here, 
and having that same narrative it doesn't work right you can't mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. and so they kind of have to do a sort of pros and cons situation and they're like okay well i don't care you know the whatever's going on here i'll just go to where people actually want to hear my voice and want to promote me and where i feel more like myself and more yeah. authentic and and where that's what happens watch yourself or like walk on eggshells exactly things. and even here i think there's a lot of Arab artists that have gone into the Israeli industry and people don't want to hear the fact that they're Arab or they don't want to hear them sing in Arabic because that's not attractive for an Arab yeah. artist to sing in Arabic. To me, it's it's the hmm. it's the tragedy that. And I, I tried to kind of rectify this in myself. I failed miserably because <laughs> I got sidetracked. But like the fact that Arabic is not taught in schools N- not like as like like you need to learn arabic of course yeah right like that the fact that that's not a thing is i think a, is a is a great failure um in the effort to bring israel Definitely, together into I a think, cohesive people i think you know as i mentioned earlier when i'm speaking on the phone in arabic or walking around campus speaking arabic i get looks right uh and it's not always you know like you know we we're in a international community here at uh, reichman and um and the, the looks that i get is not necessarily the same look somebody speaking italian might get yeah. you know it's it's a different look and and i know that and i'm not naive to think that that's going to change overnight but i think through stuff like music through uh understanding of culture through just an organic way of getting to know a different culture without all yeah. of the pre, you know, uh, as we say in Hebrew, uh, you know, like the, yeah, the things that preconceived notions. notions that we have before. Um, I think, you know, in that sense, it becomes a lot easier to digest. A lot of people understand yeah. it better and they don't look at it as like, oh, if you say you're a Palestinian, then you're a threat to me. I'm just saying I'm Palestinian because that's my culture. I'm not saying that to incite yeah. anything or any kind of political debate at this moment. Yeah. I'm just saying that because it's language I speak, it's the culture, it's the food, it's where I'm from on on a cultural level. And so that should n- have nothing to do or, or hurt you in any way, shape, right, or form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I- it's, it's also kind of what happens when another, um, another you know, uh, race is occupied you know you end up following the rules of the the governing body and yeah. so you need to learn hebrew you need to learn all these things and you still stay a minority because at the end of the day y- nobody's gonna learn arabic if you don't know arabic you still get by in the country it's an advantage to know arabic Sorry. Yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to benefit you in the long run yeah. because your day-to-day is in hebrew anyway i mean i think like i think <laughs> if, if that all i think <laughs> it's, it's it's like you said though i think it's a massive advantage because like because again i think back to my family which is iraqi mm-hmm. and everyone in my mom's generation and up speaks fluent arabic yeah and and i see like my uncle when he goes to like his mechanic or he does business with with all these different companies mm-hmm. and he speaks arabic with them and it's like you know that's that's amazing and i you know i like i said i failed miserably i tried to learn arabic and then i and then i got sidetracked because i it's started definitely learning, not yeah. easy it's not an easy language no. uh even with hebrew as a base like it's yeah i i did not do well um but it's yeah. but it is a goal of mine ultimately mm-hmm. to learn because i think that that like i, I don't see a way 
forward productively without being able to understand each other definitely there's that and that that sense of like basic understanding and for me if we're going back to the bridge that was always my mm. my kind of force with it and granted before then i never identified as a palestinian because i did not know what that meant at, like well, my, it has mm -hmm. a, and it carries a lot and of it baggage carries a lot it. at the end of the yeah, day it carries and, a lot of a lot and of when you start hearing meaning. these artists and talking about what being palestinian for them is you relate to that and you don't see it as anything political because at the end it's how you identify because I want to be that kind of Palestinian. I want to be the one that promotes equality, that promotes, mm. um, you know, equality amongst all genders, whatever it may be, and and to kind of have this more open idea of our culture and not be stuck in our traditional ways. Tradition is important mm -hmm. and it's valued, um, but we can't stay in the past. We need to see how that evolves going forward. And if we do want it to go forward, then we do need to make some compromises. We do need to understand that a woman over a certain age can live by herself, yeah. can do certain things, can go and study, and that sh she not be labeled yeah, as, long, as, as long a, she gets as married eventually and has kids. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, that's the bottom line, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but the, the point is that it does show that there are strong female Right. Uh, women in our community who Certainly. can make it out without we can who can make it without a man um, or that marriage isn't the only option out there um, mm. or that people can have they can love whoever they want to love all of these you know notions that were familiar in the western world but somehow yeah. we need to also try and adapt it to our side of the world and our our communities and it's not to say that we're becoming westernized but it's it's saying that you know, we're always in the conflict of fighting within ourselves. And I think that sort of criticism coming from within the Arab community and be like, no, this isn't right. We need to change and accept people. That in and, in and of itself is something that a lot of cultures don't know how to do. Right. That we don't have, like, I see that, you know, that self-criticism uh, is a way for us to say, no, we're doing bad. We need to do better. That's what I want to be as a Palestinian, not the political side of things. Yeah. I want to do better so that people can see that we're not like this, that we're not, you know, what is being portrayed of us on the news or whatever it is. And if I can do that through music and if I can do that through uh, these artists who are actually making a change where I can so see it in my community, then that's what I want to do. So then mm -hmm. on, so in continuing that message, like how wide maybe not how widespread but like how accepted how would how how much has the arab community globally adopted that message like the message of yeah, dan and I some of wondering. these others so i can tell you just uh, something that i learned recently even um i go to a lot of concerts in jaffa wherever if it's in the in ramallah wherever it is and there's always this fear that something is going to happen that guys are going to, you know, harass you, whatever. Um, but I found myself recently, and I've been going to these concerts for years, for years, for years. There's always that fear. There's always, as a woman, going to these shows. You know, you have that little mm -hmm. inkling of like, okay, I don't want to be touched. I don't want to be anything. But you, recently I went there to one of these shows. And so it's a Ramallah? N it, this one was oh. locally. Oh, okay. But even in Ramallah, like, 
this one was locally and this was in Jaffa and it was Tamer performing uh, with another artist and I was standing in a crowd full of men there were women but there was full of men and they were so respectful and they were singing along with you know the the lyrics and even when there was Mesa Dao has a song in her album uh, in the album that they, she has with them called Just Said They Come and it's a very very um, powerful song about women uh, and basically all mm -hmm. of the struggles that we go through and this whole crowd of men just stood silently listening to her wow. without moving without anything even singing along mm. uh, and appreciating that and for me to see that in Jaffa um, in any context right is something that I never thought I would see that I would mm. see actual young Arab men being quiet and listening actually understanding what's going on wow that's so I powerful. will never forget that moment because for me that's everything that people told me would never happen mm. and I see that in our young generation who listen to these the songs who appreciate these artists who will show up for them when they come to concerts and at the end of the day that's going to be the new sound of our generation that's going to be what we're going to grow up on and so if a woman wants to smoke drink whatever the hell she wants to do nobody's going to look at her and be like well you shouldn't be doing that because you're a woman they'll be like do you need a light or can <laughs> i help you right or whatever the fact is but she won't be discriminated against or she won't be called ungodly names because she's trying to live her life just as a man would live her live mm. his right that double standard kind of I'm not saying it ever goes away because we deal with it wherever we are. Yeah, and, and, I, think, whatever and I community. think every culture yeah. still has this issue. But it's so much harder mm. in the Arab community because you have those right. traditions in place. Yeah. Yes. And it almost becomes programmed into their minds that, you know, women can't do X, Y, Z because they're women. And that's the problem. Your hands are too small. <laughs> that's the problem with it. You can't, you can't reach this high shelf. This There's no tool to this allow this. this. this <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but that's just so incredible how yeah. music can do that for people. And we know this. Yeah. We know this, but it's just to even break through some of the most traditional and it closed takes time. cultures mm -hmm. is... I'm talking about a period that's over 12 12 years, maybe more. Okay. Which is not a lot of time. Yeah, it's That's not like a no. huge shift in, yeah. in, in a decade. Yeah. It's, it's a huge That's shift. A big deal. And I think this thing has been happening for a very long time and it's only getting bigger because I can see artists right now that are coming out that are actually talking about sex in their songs. Oh, wow. In Arabic. And that's already a big thing like you right. don't talk that's about huge. sex in arabic music like that doesn't happen but these artists are you know part of this new generation that, that are boundary. coming up and they're pushing another boundary and and you know wow. it's just a matter of time before these things become and i'm not saying like all of the traditional aspects from arab culture there's still going to be people living under a rock and being whoever they are that's their problem. Mm -hmm. We're going to be here trying to change that and trying to be the best versions of ourselves and do better yeah. to learn from the mistakes that were and try to be better in the future. Have you like have you seen cuz 10 years again it's 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 12 12 years. Almost, it, like yeah. it's an amazing uh, like it's an amazing cultural shift. Have you seen have you seen uh, um like facts on the ground change? Have you seen like uh, policy changes in certain countries that have that have been Definitely. born from this ideological so, shift. So, uh, if we go to Saudi Arabia, for example, before Mohammed bin Salman came in, there was a lot of different yeah. 
uh, stories coming out of Saudi where women weren't allowed to drive and there mm. were a lot of these different issues and many artists at the time were making songs in protest of this. Mm. Um, one in particular was a guy, his name is Ala Wardi. He's a YouTuber. He did a collaboration with a comedian and activist mm. um, where they took Bob Marley's song, No Woman, No Cry, and they did a version no of woman, no, no, drive. no Woman, No Drive. <laughs> I love it. I feel like I've seen I that. You I've probably seen that. have. I've seen that. And, <laughs> and so that song was essentially two men protesting against this ridiculous, you know, law yeah. at the Gosh. time. And I mean, I'm going to watch this like immediately <laughs> when we're done. <laughs> and, 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 and not long after that, you know, we saw people like Coca-Cola, for example, when the law was lifted eventually, uh, making an ad where a father was teaching his daughter how to drive and um, all these different things. So you Coke, saw, you know, yeah, you know, because <laughs> why not? Let's jump on that uh, social change. Ba- they like showed that in wagon. Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah. You can look up the ad. And That's amazing. And that is amazing. You know, that shift i'm not saying it was immediate but there were a lot of people protesting at the time and so when you have somebody who makes a song about it and it becomes sort of like the soundtrack to that specific revolution then that does make changes we saw some changes in egypt as well even if the arab spring failed there are a lot of changes that have been going on throughout the arab world again it's a much harder place to change and we've seen things happen there that are never going to change but still Mm. People are fighting and trying to do that. And I mean, you don't know. Cairo and Tehran looked very different 50 years ago. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> there have been, there've been, it's waves. I don't know. Yes. But I think also, even in Cairo, uh, these artists that we've been talking about, I'm talking about artists, comedians, musicians, all these people have been exiled over the dumbest stuff. True. Like somebody made a joke about the Nile and they were going to take her to court. Wait, an actress what was the joke oh wow i don't know what it was, was like it don't drink nile from the seriously. nile because it's i don't know there's bacteria yeah, I mean, like, in there the or something qu- like is it, true? it was a joke was it true? most <laughs> likely it is true let's be real but <laughs> the fact is it was a joke it right. was made in jest and she was almost put in jail because oh of a God. joke so there are there are certain things that you know that are still not going to change but you see small changes within the arab world and let's face it the world is changing at the end of the day if the arab world wants to be closed off from the rest of the world then things are going to stay where they are but if they want to you know um expand and grow and become you know a different um global power then they do need to break down those barriers just so like we've seen in saudi arabia where now music festivals are happening wow. uh, cinemas are opening up again and that has to do a lot with the leadership and power but moreover it has to do with the years of um protest and rebellion and quiet revolutions that have been happening under the scenes that we don't see mm-hmm. and and now they're coming to light and people are waking up and seeing that yeah, we can have these things and, and they can be sort of a hybrid. They can exist next to what's going on right now and they don't have to conflict in any way, shape or form. And there are changes being done, but I'm not saying that they're going to be like, you know, massive. The whole women driving thing, of course, that's massive. Mm-hmm. Um, but that took a while to, to happen sure. as well. So it's just a matter of I love that it was a song that changed it, though. I feel like I don't know if it's totally in credit with (laughs) with that, but it definitely opened people's eyes to it. It definitely made that so solidarity to see two men 
uh, poke fun at such a ridiculous law because at the end of the day, men were making these laws to stop women from driving. So if, if, you know, if that had to make that change, great. You know, that, that was a step in the right direction. There's so many other examples of this in the Arab world. Um, what's like the like yeah. the craziest song from the most unexpected place that you could think of like what's like what's a song that is that is like you know like that where it's poking fun at something in a place you really would not expect it to come from so i think another i don't know if it's poking fun so much there are so many examples of sure. this and i can't really pinpoint one but the one that sticks out to me the most is from a band called cairo key that i mentioned before yeah. They released the song, and you can look it up on YouTube. It's crazy clip, very psychedelic, and very, and the lyrics of the of the song itself is just very very deep in that sense. But it comes off as a ridiculous song. It comes off as something that makes no sense and it's just absolute nonsense. But when you look at it, my friend wrote a paper about it recently <laughs> <laughs> for one of her. That deep, uh, yeah. but wow. but that it really kind of it broke down the problems that are going on in Egypt right now. The song is called Dinosaur. And the in the song, he says, like, uh, people are having bad trips and stuff like that. And it kind of relates to the fact that there's heavy poverty and, and drug use in the streets of Egypt with people trying to cope with what's going on and, you know, trying to get away from the the problematic lives that, that, that their government is, you know, creating for them. And they would be... more sort of like and the whole the guise of the song is them going through this bad trip like, and a, like an acid trip kind of yeah in, in a sense and you'll see that from the clip when you watch it but another aspect is that they would be more you know they would l- more likely see dinosaurs and penguins wandering through the streets than seeing any kind of change happen in egypt oh, wow. and that message in and of itself is kind of like that's a funny way to put it but at the same time it's like super powerful right. coming from an egyptian band who have suffered so much from the the government and having concerts canceled and music censored and not being allowed to sell their music and so they release it all up on wow. youtube and and all these different aspects that make it hard for them to make a living as artists but they're still super popular and that is a threat to these governments and that is something that keeps them going because at the end of the day they know that people are going to listen to their music and they're going to come to their shows and they're going to perform wherever it is egyptians are still going to hold on to that and they're still going to be the super you know patriotic proud people that they are and listen to this music because it expresses exactly what they're going through at that time right and so it's one of those things that you and the government can't control that and they can't no matter how many times it does and tries it will never really succeed in no, that I mean, sense. the harder they try, right. the more they promote it, honestly. Yeah. The, you make a bigger deal out yeah, of it. Exactly. Inadvertently. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's the case. Well, I feel like that's a good note to end on. I think so <laughs> as well. Uh, Yvonne, it has been an absolute pleasure to finally get you into the studio Thank on the guys. opposite side of the table. Yeah, it's very weird yes. to be here. It's, it's great. It's strange. I'm usually on that side. but <laughs> I, Exactly. No, I, I mean, I'm keeping it warm for you. Okay. It's okay. fine. <laughs> um, I'm Aaron Porras. I'm Hunter Rifkin. And this was Actually Serious. And for more Actually Serious topics, remember, again, to like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast on Audioversity, YouTube, uh, at Aaron Porras, all major uh, podcast platforms and social media. Uh, we love you. and uh, We don't know you, but we love your AirPods. Yeah. Are they new? They look great. They look great. They look great. Keep them charged because we'll be back next week. (laughs) 
Actually, serious. Amazing conversations from Israel, all topics considered, with Aaron Porras and Hannah Rifkin. All our shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity. 